ashes. This is uh, just a six-week series that we've already begun this journey, and it's going to continue on and have its final day on Easter Sunday. So it's just awesome. And we've been um, learning about qualities of Jesus' life. What was involved in his everyday life? What were those disciplines that helped him, the the things that we want to emulate because he was the son of God, right? He was a God man. And so we want to emulate that. Well, the first week, um, pastor, he talked about temptation. And then last week, um, he also talked about Christ-like humility. And so remember, he said, towels, not titles. And then when we want to be humble, we go low. And so those are the things that we, he talked about. And so um, if you missed some of those, you can go back online and watch them. But this series is just an amazing series that's helping us to know how do we live? How do we live? What are those things that we can implement in our lives? Well, um, yesterday was an awesome meal, babe. Thank you. I feel charged up, ready for today after that steak. And um, you've heard of the seven love languages. Well, my husband, he has the eighth love language, and it's food, right? Food is his love language. (laughs) But today I'm going to talk about contemplation. Contemplation. And what does this word consist of? I mean, we all want to have a life, a prayer that is powerful and purposeful. And part of that is contemplation. And maybe you've never heard that term before. That's okay. We're going to talk about that today. And hopefully I can clear that up. And we have another tool that we can utilize in our lives as we live for Christ. When we talk about contemplation, it's talking about coming out of the busyness of life, right? Life can become busy. We can be overwhelmed. I mean, just even taking our cell phone, right? I mean, sometimes when I go to pray, I have my cell phone, and then what happens? I get a text, right? Or there's a notification on there. And sometimes it's hard where we even have to unplug from this little device that's right next to us, interrupting our prayer life. But contemplation, it talks about a quietness. It talks about coming into this place where we're thinking on God and we're focusing on Him. And to be honest, sometimes it's hard to be still. Even just for one minute. It's hard to be still. You know, in our exercise time with our son, he's teaching us how to um, do a plank. And so we're, we're on, um, you know, on our elbows and on our feet. And so we're planking there. And uh, we do it like just over a minute. Wow, that's the longest minute that you'll ever do, right? And even for just a little bit, it's hard to be still. There was a pastor, his name is Bill Leslie, and he was a pastor of um, St. LaSalle Church in Chicago. And he is an evangelical pastor of an inner, uh, inner city church. And at one point of his ministry, he felt burnt out. So as part of his recovery, he went to a Catholic nun for counseling and spiritual direction. She asked him what he felt like in ministry. And he said he felt like 
He felt like um, he was dry. And he felt like he was a pump. And everyone who turned the handle on the pump was just asking for more and more. And he felt like his well had run dry. Well, this wise Catholic nun said to him, to this evangelical pastor, she said, do you know what you need? You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Ouch. Ouch. Sometimes we think as evangelicals, we know all there is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, And sometimes we say to people, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus when we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. What it looks like to be in a personal relationship with him. When we come in this place of trying to just live out life, trying to live out our theology, trying to be good enough, we forget that it's all about a relationship with Jesus that we have actually been redeemed. Jesus has redeemed us. He paid the price so that we can come into relationship with him, that we can actually come close to him. Wow, that's an amazing thought. This God that we could think is so far away is not. He's close to us. The definition of contemplation, it describes a behavior That is modeled in the Bible. And it talks about a peaceful, silent, calm place of prayer. It talks about us just being before the Lord. And it's calm. There's peace. God's peace there. We see this in the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1 verse 36. We see that Jesus, he gets up early in the morning while it's still dark and he goes to a solitary place a place that's away from everyone else a place that is by himself and he does that to get alone with the father he goes there to pray why did jesus do that well because jesus was the most busiest person that ever walked on the face of the earth. When he was in full ministry, there were people coming to him, asking him for miracles, wanting to hear his teaching. Everywhere he went, people were looking for him. I mean, he was worse than all the paparazzi that's out there today. Jesus was so busy. But he carved out time to be with the Father because he knew that he wanted to rely on the Father. Well, if Jesus did that, how much more do we need to do that? That we need to carve out time in the busyness of the world, in the the chaos of the world, in the troubles that we go through, to carve out time just to be with the Lord. How do we do this? What does prayer look like? Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know the words to pray. Well, let's look at what um, Richard Foster, how he describes prayer. He says this, When we pray, genuinely pray, the condition of our heart is revealed. This is as it should be. 
This is when God truly begins to work with us. The adventure is just beginning. When we come to God in prayer, we open up a supernatural line from heaven to earth. We get connected to him. And this is what prayer is all about. And then God begins to show us the things that are inside of us. We have to be still to hear what's on the inside of us. If we keep, keep doing, keep going... We never come into a place of contemplation, of deep thought, and discover what's really going on inside of us. We have to remember that prayer is an open invitation to come and commune with the God of the universe. We get this privilege. We get to come before God in prayer. It's an awesome thing. And then Richard Foster, he goes on again to say this. I urge you, carry on an ongoing conversation with God about the daily stuff of life. For now, don't worry about proper praying. Just talk to God. Share your hurts. Share your sorrows. Share your joys freely and openly. God listens in compassion and love, just like we do when our children come to us. He delights in our presence. When we do this, we discover something inestimable, of, uh, something of inestimable value. We discover that by praying, we learn to pray. Isn't that good? Just by praying, we learn to pray. If we put prayer into practice, we're going to begin to grow in our prayer life. Now, here are some principles that can help us along in this journey of contemplation and stillness. The first is lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is a principle that sometimes in our daily lives, we have to just stop and look up. We have to stop and look up. Because sometimes we forget that we have an audience with the maker of heaven and earth. And if we get too busy with what's immediately around us, we will forget to stop and look up and invite God to come into our very situation. Looking up causes us to change our perspective and to focus our eyes on something else, or in this case, someone else. Someone else that we're looking to come into our life. If you've ever seen a pigeon walk, right? They kind of do a little wobble, but they're walking and then they stop. And they put their head forward and then they put their head back and they walk a couple of steps. Why do you think that pigeons do that? Well, research shows that they do that because, because their eyes can't focus while they're walking. They actually have to stop 
so that their eyes can refocus and they can see where they're going. Well, this is kind of the same problem that we have. When we're moving and moving, we kind of lose place where we're at. But when we stop, we can see where we are in relation to the world and in relation to the will of God. We can pause and we can say, God, come into this situation. God, I'm going to stop and I'm going to invite your power to enter in at this very moment because I need your supernatural strength. I need your help. And you know what happens? He does. He comes into our moment. He strengthens us and he helps us to see more clearly. When we stop and we look up, then we realize that there is a care. Thank you so much. That there is a care. And it's in that same Psalm, Psalm 121, verses 7 and 8. It says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. I don't need to figure it all out. I don't need to worry that in my busyness, I'm going to lose my way. All I need to do is stop, look up and focus and say, Jesus, be my strength. Jesus, come right now. Jesus, give me supernatural ability. Give me wisdom. Give me the next step. Give me your direction. Because he takes care of every detail of our lives. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he takes care of us? He's a faithful God. So what are some practical things that we could do to stop and look up? Well, when you're feeling anxious, and maybe this week something comes and it makes you feel a little bit anxious, well, what you could do is maybe get out and take a walk. Take a walk. Let let yourself let yourself the air be cleared in your mind and just pause and and ask God to come into your situation another thing you could do is set a daily timer on your phone that says at this time I'm going to just stop and silently prayer just even in your workplace I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to invite God and I'm just going to be silent before him and just connect with God So we heard about looking up, but now let's talk about practice stillness. We have to practice stillness because stillness doesn't come naturally to us. Stillness is a a discipline that we need to know, even the stillness of our minds, especially. There's a couple of verses in the Psalms that says this, and it talks about silence and stillness. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 46.10 And then, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Psalm 62.1 What is it about stillness and silence? that helps us to get reacquainted with God. There's something that happens in the stillness. 
There's something that happens when we just just get quiet before the Lord. It's that place where we can hear his voice. It's that place that he begins to reorder our mind and reorder our soul. Do you know that it's not good for our brains to continually multitask? It's not good for our brains to just go from one thing to another, just be scattered all the time. In fact, it brings damage to our brains. In neuroscience research, it says that our brains work best when we rested in deep thought and prayer. There's something that happens in the brain, even neurologically. The brain lights up when we go into prayer and it rests and it helps the different parts of the brain to function better together. We often go up to the mountains on a yearly um, vacation and we spend about a week up there in the mountains. We, we do it old school. We go to intense, right? We sleep in tents, and, and one thing that it does, it helps us to unplug because we can't use our phones up there. There's no service. So we can't even go on our phones. We can't do the normal things that we normally do on our phones. But we unplug, and we start to converse more because, hey, we're just there by ourselves, so we need to start talking to each other, right? It opens up conversations. And then when we go and we look at the river, we see the beauty of God at night when it's so quiet. You could just, you could just hear things were just far away because it's so quiet. And then you see all the beautiful stars. And you say, wow, God the wonder of your work, the wonder of your hand, the majesty of your greatness, the glory and the splendor of your power. And it reconnects us to God. This is what contemplative prayer, what it does for us. It helps us to come into a place of rest where our ears become open to the voice of God and our hearts become sensitive to his movement because he's there. He's not only there in the mountains, but he's there with us every day of our lives. But we don't realize it because we're going and going. But when we stay still and we cultivate the discipline of contemplation, we can know even in the busiest times of our lives that God is very present, a very present, that he is with us. In fact, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always be our constant God and friend. He is with us. I want to talk a little bit about Elijah. Who is Elijah? He's, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Elijah experienced great highs, but he also experienced very low lows. He was human, just like us, and he, he dealt with things in his own life. And so he comes to, like, the pinnacle of his prophet career. He goes up into Mount Carmel, and he prays down the fire of God, and he defeats the false prophets of Baal and Asherah. Wow! He even slaughters all the false prophets, and he tells Israel, return to your God. That was 
high, high moment. But after that moment, he experiences a low, low. The queen, Jezebel, the queen, she said, I'm going to kill you. And she had every power to back up her threat. She was going to be after him and she was going to take him out. And so he runs for his life. He runs into the wilderness and he comes to this place of being very low. He's telling God, I've been persecuted. I'm the only one of your prophets left. And he comes to this very low state because he had given and given and given. And he had spoken and spoken. And he stood and he stood. But then he became became very tired. He comes to this place of, he's like, I just want to die. I just want to die. I'm so tired. I just want to die. Well, in that moment, what did God do? He didn't leave Elijah for himself. You know, Elijah, you should know better. You're my prophet. You know better than that. No, God comes to Elijah. In fact, angels, the Lord sends angels to minister to him. And he, they brought this bread, this super bread. I, I wish I could you know i think it was angel food cake right he ate this bread and he went on for 40 days without anything else it it sustains him and it sustained him and then he went to another mountain and it was mount sinai the place where god gave moses the 10 commandments he comes to this awesome and holy place and we read in first kings 19:11 through 13 it says the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But listen, the Lord was not in the, in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice of the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He was in the gentle whisper. Why? Why a gentle whisper? Because Elijah, this very depressed, tired prophet... He didn't need a booming voice speaking to him. He didn't need an earthquake shaking him. He didn't need a fire burning him. He needed the voice of God in a compassionate, loving tone. He needed that whisper. Because when someone whispers, we have to get very close to hear. It's intimate. It's real. It's close. In that very moment, that's what Elijah needed. 
God gave him what he very needed at that very moment. That's what God does for us. He comes to us in our need and he gives us just what we need. He is Jehovah Jireh when we need a provider. He's Jehovah Nisi when we need protection. He's Jehovah Roe when we need a shepherd. He is everything that we need right when we need it. He is the Jehovah God who covers us and he meets us at the very place where we need him. We can rely upon this God. We can connect with this God. God will speak to us uniquely in ways that are personal to us. He will speak in ways that we can hear. Oh, there are different ways that he speaks. He speaks through his word. That's a a very awesome way. As we read the word of God, we get to know the mind of God. He speaks through his word. He speaks through, like I said, he speaks through nature. As we see the creation that God made, he can speak to us. He can speak to us in a dream. He can speak to us through word pictures, thoughts. To me, God speaks to me when I come before him and I quiet everything else. I don't have music playing I don't have my phone on. I just come before the Lord. And I get out what's on my heart. And then I just listen. And I say, God, what's on your heart? What's on your heart for me? And I just listen to him. And I've done that enough times that I've cultivated that I know God's voice when he speaks to me. Because it's unique to me. And I've proven it enough times of saying, okay, God, I'm going to believe that that's your word. And I take a risk at times, but because I've cultivated that in my prayer time, I know how he speaks to me. He speaks to me personally that he injects a thought into my thought, my thoughts. And I say, that's not my thought. That thought's higher than a thought that I would think. That's a, that's my best guess is, or I know, that's God speaking to me. And you can do the same thing. You can cultivate through prayer an avenue where God speaks to you. Because you begin to do it as a practice. And then you begin to understand, you know what? That's not me. That song that's playing on the radio that's speaking to me and telling me to follow after the Lord, that wasn't me. That's God speaking to me. Or, in fact, someone sends you a text, and it's just what you needed to hear that day. That's not just that friend sending you the text. That's God speaking to you. God will speak to you in unique ways that you will be able to understand His voice. And his voice, though always truthful, is never condemning. That's how you know it's God's voice. Oh, he may speak to us something that we may not want to hear. It's going to be truthful, 
but it will never be condemning. When we listen to God's voice, we find out that it's important to not only to speak, but to listen. Not only to share our petitions, which is important. God wants to hear that. But also to hear what God has to say to us. You know, the book of Revelation says that the Spirit of God is always speaking. He who has a hear, let him hear the voice of the Lord. God is speaking to us. In fact, he's speaking to you right now. He's prompting you. Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. He's saying, yes, I want to meet with you. I want to have time with you. Come, come, come into my presence. Come if you haven't done that in a while. Do it. Do it. I'm here. I'm waiting. I want to spend time with you. It doesn't matter what it's been. It matters what it can be. It can be. Bishop Dale Bonner said this, Silence isn't empty. It's full of answers. And Mark Batterson said, God often speaks the loudest when we are the quietest. More than half a century ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year-old career as an otolaryngologist. What is that? That's a big word. That's a specialist of nose, um, ear, and throat. So this renowned opera singer came to Dr. Timidus, and he, he, wanted, he came with this problem. He wanted to see if Dr. Timidus could help him. And the problem that this opera singer had was that he could no longer hit certain notes that were well in his vocal range. He used to be able to sing those notes, but now he could no longer sing the notes that he used to sing. Doctor, he had been to a lot of specialists, and they thought that it was a vocal problem. But Dr. Tomitis thought otherwise. So using a tonometer, Dr. Tomitis discovered that that even the range of an average opera singer produces 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. That's slightly louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. And the sound is even louder in a person's skull. That discovery led to a diagnosis. The opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. Selective muteness was caused by selective deafness. If you can't hear a note, you can't sing that note. In Dr. Timidus' words, the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. That's why it's important to have times of quietness and stillness with the Lord. We need the voice of the Lord in our lives. We need it. We need his direction. We need it. We need to know, God, what's my next step? 
what do you want me to do? How do you want to lead me? God, is it this job or that job? Is it this decision or that decision? That's where the voice of God comes in. He wants to speak to us. But we need to position ourselves in the place where we can hear him. And if we do, God will keep his end of the bargain. He will speak to us. He will, without a doubt, let us know. If we're seeking the will of God, he will make his, his will plain and clear to us. Because we're wanting to know. He will, just, he will direct our steps. For the steps of a righteous person are ordered of God. He will help us. He will speak to us. Because this is a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a relationship with the creator of the heaven and the earth. He's waiting. Are we willing? Are we willing? As I finish up today, I want us to ask us some questions. Ask ourselves some questions. Is all our striving, all our busyness, is it making us more peaceful people? I mean, we went through this time of COVID and and everything had to shut down. And so we came to a place of a lot of quietness, a lot of shut-in. And for some of us, that was very difficult because we're not used to stopping. We're not used to just being at times alone or with self. And for some of us, that's a very scary thing. I get that. I get that. That that might be the hardest thing that we can do is just sit alone with our thoughts. But what we can do is just start with the Word of God. Start with that word and and even taking one verse. Like we said today, I lifted my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And we start thinking about that. Yeah, God, you're my help. You're my help. The God who made the heavens and the earth is my help. He's my help. He's going to help me. He's going to strengthen me. And then we just start thinking on those thoughts. Those thoughts that are elevating our thoughts and are crowding out all the negativity, all the anxiety, all the pressure. We start getting truth, a revelation of truth in our hearts and our minds. And it becomes a reality in our lives. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to a place of rest. Come to a place of stillness. Come to the place of of saying, God, I'm not going to try to fix it. I can't fix it. That's my prayer sometimes. I say, God, I can't fix it. I'm going to look to you to fix it. I'm going to take it out of my hands and I'm going to put it in your hands. And I'm going to rest. And I'm going to listen to your voice. And you're going to lead me. And you're going to direct me. So this week... Let's practice stillness. Let's practice contemplation. Let's practice 
silence. If you have to set a reminder on your phone, set a reminder on your phone. Maybe in the near future, take a drive to the mountains and see the beauty of God and let him speak to you through his nature. Maybe you have to set some limitations on your electronic devices. Maybe we have to kind of turn that off for a little bit so that we can truly focus on our relationship with the Lord. This week, dig a little deeper. Go a little deeper with the Lord. Go a little deeper because he will enable you to go deeper with him. If you desire that, Holy Spirit will give you the power to go deeper. God is our strength. He is our refuge. In times of trouble, God is with us. And so today, as we've heard this word, let's take it. Let's rely upon God. You know, we've tried it all our ways. We've tried everything else. And I really feel that today. Sometimes we try our own way. It's like we're in the Groundhog movie, right? We're just trying every day. We're trying. Maybe today it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe today. But we're doing the same, same things. Today, shift. Go a little deeper with the Lord. Change that, that something. And that something is the person of God. Say, God, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to rely upon you. I'm going to spend time with you instead of trying to figure it out on my own. I'm going to invite you into my life that you can do the difference, make the difference that only you can do. Let's pray this morning. Holy Spirit, I know that a gentle whisper is not the only way that you speak, but I I sense today there's a gentle whisper that is just going out all over this room and, and even online. The gentle whisper of the Lord. Mm, I hear you saying to people today, you're reaffirming, you're saying, you're mine, you're mine. People who are wondering, where am I, God? Where am I in this place in my life? They feel lost and disillusioned. But you're saying, the gentle whispers, you're saying, I'm here, my child. Don't fear. Don't fear. I'm with you. I feel that others today are... That you just need a break. You just feel like, I need a break. I need a vacation. Yeah, vacations are good. But we need more than a vacation. We need a connection with God. And today, if you feel like that connection with God has been lost, you feel like maybe I've never been connected to God like I would like to be. Well, today is your day to 
say, Lord, connect me to you. I receive you as my Savior. I receive the good things that you died on the cross for. I receive that. Just say that right now if that's you. I receive your salvation, Lord. I receive an exchange of my sins for your salvation, for your cleansing, for your renewal in my life. Connect me to you, God. I need you. I'm desperate for you. I've tried things on my own, and it's not working out. I've come to the end of my rope, and I need your help. Well, that's exactly the place that we need to be. When we come to that place that we recognize that we need a Savior, God is hes ready to help. He's ready to snatch us up from the enemy's hands. Oh, God, I thank you for what you're doing today, this morning. Lord, I thank you that there is just a blanket of your peace covering your people. There's a blanket of the Holy Spirit bringing security, bringing life, bringing peace. Oh, God, have your way in this place. No longer is there chaos. No longer is there confusion. But there's peace. God, I thank you that we're in the place that we need to be here in your house next to you. So minister to our hearts this morning by your goodness and your glory.